what we say is, is that we are always growing, we're always learning, and we're always trying something new. Um, that there, there's really no end game. When, when, when you're no longer trying to push yourself to get better with what you're doing, you should probably start doing something else. <laughs> Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Location, location, location. It counts. It matters. And that's what, like, this week's... You selling real estate now? I'd probably make more money if I did. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I was just saying, though... That's kind of what this episode is kind of sort of about, but it's also about being in the right place at the right time. So true. What I, where I was going with this is, yes, who we're talking with um, this time is Adam Mills from Cartridge, Cartridge, Brewing. Yeah, Cartridge Brewing outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. And believe me, that place is about the location and us being in the right place at the right time. But also, I was just thinking about, was it Greenville, Michigan? Yeah. Um, Kind of, I mean, we didn't, we were just stopping to look for a small town brewery and hanging out, doing what we're doing normally and just talking, sitting at the bar and hanging out and just had this really great conversation with this guy. His name was Dylan and he was just kind of enchanted with the lifestyle that we had and when we go to close out because we had to go say stay with a friend's mom. Yay, that was exciting. It was fun. Who is now a friend as well. A friend as well, too. Totally mm-hmm. true. Um, but when we're going to close out, he, Dylan, his name was, he um, was like, put these guys' tab, all on my tab. Like, they're yeah. traveling and writing about beer and doing something really, really cool. And he's like, I'm going to buy them all their beers. I mean, granted, I think we had like maybe three beers total each, like three bills Yeah, it total. wasn't much because we were just stopping for a minute on the way to the, we still had to drive for a minute. So. Yeah. What brewery was that? Flat River Brewing Flat Company. Flat River Brewing Company, which is a really cool brewery. But it, it was is. cool that Dylan did that because basically what he did is, I mean, he bought us a beer. And for all of you guys who are, are were number one fans, I guess, and you listen all <laughs> the way to the end... And we say, buy us a beer. Dylan did that, like, without even knowing our podcast. I thought it was really cool. So I think cheers to Dylan. Well, and if you'd like to buy us a beer and support the podcast, you can just go to our website, livingastoutlife.com slash podcast. And there's a little button right there that says, hey, you can buy us a beer. Donate. Yeah. And to then, the podcast. Then we'll give you a shout out too. Actually, what's really cool about this too, of it, mm-hmm. I promise we usually do. We get we get to the point here eventually. But what was also <laughs> really cool is somebody did buy us a beer from the podcast donate button, buying us a beer button. But it's anonymous, and I can't tell who bought us a beer this last couple of weeks. So I know. cheers to them too! Yay! Yeah. So if you buy us a beer on the website. Like, shoot us an email, or if you have a number, a text or something, let us know. <laughs> yeah, so we can say cheers and thank you. Yeah, because we do appreciate it a lot, because it's, you know, it helps keep the podcast going. It does, and it helps us drinking, you know, to keep drinking beer. Actually, what are we drinking right now? <laughs> this is a very good beer. We are drinking a Trappist number 12 from West Flatter and Brewing 
in Belgium. If we can't actually get to Belgium quite yet, we can drink the beers from Belgium. Mm-hmm. It's very, very good. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know what else are beautiful beers? What's that? The beers at Cartridge Brewing. They are. They are. Yeah, that was... Um, you talked about location, 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 and timing, and that also applied to how we ended up talking to Adam at Cartridge because um, we do some work with Malt Europe Malting Company, and Adam and Cartridge work with, they get malts from Malt Europe. So, and Adam actually happens to be working with a new malt that they have out, is kind of new, kind of different too, so kind of unique. Malt Europe asked if we would you know, talk to Adam about his using this new malt because he uses it a lot. And Crystal Wheat 3L. <laughs> Keep going. Shameless plug. But uh, anyway, so yeah, we were like, yeah, let's, we're actually in the area. It happened to be that we were close to there. So we're like, yeah, we can actually go talk to him in person and actually try some of the beers to see how he's using it and what kind of a difference it makes in the beers themselves, which was really fun. But actually... Um, aside from getting to talk to Adam about the malts, as we like looked into, you know, we do our research. So we were looking into Adam and Cartridge before we got there. I had a few days ahead of time. And we learned a lot about Adam online. He's got a lot of online presence from, he does some YouTube videos for about brewing. And he doesn't just do some YouTube videos. He has a YouTube channel that's no, meant it's a, to. Okay. I didn't mean to undersell it. It's like Yeesh. a very dedicated. It's a really cool channel because it's very dedicated to professional brewing and professional brewing standards and practices and techniques and all that kind of stuff. It's really good. You can be an office and a home brewer and still get a lot out of it too. Oh, yeah. Anybody can. It's all about brewing and how to approach it in a solid manner and learn what you're doing. It's it's very good content that is actually pretty rare out there in the brewing world. There's not a lot of this content in the brewing world. So his YouTube channel is really cool. Adam Makes Beer is the channel. And then also, like, he, his story is just pretty cool, too. Um, teacher turned brewer. And yeah, he, and you're a former teacher, so yeah. there's a connection there. And, and then this is where I was going. Can I go there now? You when can we go. were driving to the brewery, and you're literally driving down this windy road that has, like, switchbacks. Mm-hmm. Don't let it stop you from going there because it's not that bad. And then you round this corner and you just see these huge, like, towering spires (laughs) before you even get there. One's just this huge smokestack and another is, I don't know exactly what it is. It's like a clock tower, basically. It's not a clock, though, but... Well, I guess it wasn't a clock. So I don't know what it is, but it's another... It's a tower. Tower. (laughs) And you see these because what you're driving into used to be an old munitions factory rumored to possibly have been making ammunition and stuff for the Civil War. I'm not sure about that fact. But they were making munitions and all that for um, World War One and World War Two. And then as factories go, they just become a magnet to teenagers and rocks. And Yeah, as the factory yeah. cl- eventually closed down and then it, you know, it sat vacant for a long time. But... But we're telling the story that we shouldn't be telling because Adam does a little bit of that. He does a little bit of that, but that's but what's just... cool. Cartridge took is it's one of those things you hear a lot in brewing. Well, 
I don't know if you hear a lot about it in brewing, but we've seen a lot of it as we traveled around the country. Breweries that take over these older buildings and that make it into something. Mm -hmm, that make it something really cool. Because this was just an old factory that, I mean, it was beautiful buildings, but they just sat vacant for a long time. And so they were dilapidating and, you know, cartridges there, start putting in this amazing brewery there. But that's like, I think that's a really cool thing that happens with a lot of businesses. There's a lot of businesses doing that outside of brewing too. But but we've been to a lot of breweries lately that have done that. It, it felt like like when we were in Grand, Grand Rapids, Rapids um, Brewery Bravant. It was an old funeral home. Yeah, it's actually an old funeral home. But when you're inside, you think it's kind of, it feels like you're in an old church because yeah. it's got stained glass and, and the cool woodwork and very ornate. There's actually work and stuff. And on that it. level too, there's actually a few, a decent amount of breweries. I mean, I don't know the percentage of breweries that were that are now like housed in old churches. So the they make it's a really cool ambiance when you come across breweries like that. Like just a few off the top of my head are like Father John's in uh, Bryan, Ohio, and then uh, Back Pew in Porter, Texas, outside mm -hmm. of Houston. Um, I know there's, there's plenty of others more. that we're probably forgetting. A lot of others we're probably forgetting. But, yeah, it, it's really cool. Um, or breweries that are that used to be uh, old mechanic shops, like Crux Fermentation Project in Bend or Ben's Tune-Up. Yeah. Ben's Tune-Up in, uh, it's a sake, sake bar and brewery, I think, too, in uh, Asheville. Like, it's an old mechanic shop. Like, I love those types of things, too, when they turn these buildings. Or old banks. Like in like I'm thinking Phillipsburg yeah. and they have like the oh, yeah, safe, like really they cool. have the safe that is still there and it turns out to be where they sell their merchandise. Yeah. And when she into says old, old bank, she's not talking like, uh, you know, old U.S. bank or uh, <laughs> nor the old, what is it, like Norwest mortgage banks or whatever. She's talking like turn of the century or 1800s. We're, this is old, old. Yeah. <laughs> that's in those are I've been, a, I've seen a decent amount of those in small town, Montana. I'm sure there are other places too like that, but I love that when you take those older buildings and you turn them into something that's new and new, and they keep the the character, they keep that like same characteristic pieces to them and draw it out even more. Well, yeah, because a lot of times it becomes part of the story of the brewery. Yeah, I love when whether it's a brewery or whatever business when they dive into the history of where they're at and where they're from and incorporate that into today. You know what's kind of funny you too, know? though, with that piece of the history? Is you know what Adam was when he was a teacher? He was a history teacher. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, There's a whole bunch of history sense. all involved in the building. And that's actually, he'll tell you that too, is that's really kind of what drew him to the job as well, is like the history of the building. And he was a history teacher. And, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're going to be history at this rate. I don't know, man. <laughs> little little jabs like that. I don't right. know. Well, we are currently um, outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Um, but I think it's time to maybe go back to Mainville, Ohio, outside of Cincinnati, to go take a visit to Cartridge Brewing and let Adam do some talking. Sounds good to me. Okay. Here's Adam. Okay, welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast, and we are here with Adam Mills at Cartridge Brewing in Mainville, Mainville Ohio. Ohio. 
absolutely. Actually, where, or first? Kings Mill, right? Kings Mill too. It's yeah, it's it's, it's we're, like we're right on the line here. Kings Mill, um, Mason, and Mainville, and yeah, it's all kind of great. Kinda right here. What is something that people might actually know a little bit more than Main Mainville? Or Cincinnati. <laughs> so, yeah, outside Cincinnati. That's usually what I say is outside Cincinnati for sure. It's yeah. like we say we're originally from Sheridan, Colorado, and no, we just say Denver. Exactly. It's, it's easier. It's easier. So we're in this like really acoustic, perfect, not building, <laughs> but it was an actually, it's called Cartridge Brewing because I mean, there's a reason behind that and because it's so like echoey in here. Can you tell a story um, to our listeners about maybe the, like the weird acoustics in here, the reverberations, the vibrations, and like why we're in this building that is labeled Cartridge Brewing? Because it's um, massive. Yeah, the the whole the whole like kind of campus here is 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 really really large. It's a it's a former uh, cartridge factory. It was an ammunition factory for both World War One, World War Two. Um, it's it's a beautiful old building. It's one of those where as you drive around and look at different portions of it, you can kind of tell parts of it were still built in that time where they wanted to make things functional but also beautiful as yeah. well. Um, so there's some there's some really cool interesting touches uh, to this like I said this little campus right here we're right close to the uh, Miami uh, River uh, Trail uh, which is great close to the river um, and this whole area both sides of the river really grew up originally both of the, the towns on each side grew up around really this factory so a lot of people that come in and patronize us now. They remember their grandparents used to work here. It's, wow. it's, it's really kind of one of that, those bedrock portions of, of the community. So as I mentioned, it was uh, producing ammunition uh, for decades. Um, when that stopped for a brief period of time, they pressed uh, Columbia Records here and, and maybe even I think maybe a lens crafters for a little bit. But, and then it was really, it was really shut down for, for decades. Um, and it kind of it kind of just went down to the bones of the place. Um, there was a lot of windows missing. Oh yeah, that and happens a lot, right? The sure. kids come in and they just you know definitely they do what kids do. That's exactly what Break I said. Break out yeah, windows they, they come and in. spray paint everything. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So it was like that for a little while, and because of the uh, because of the work that was done here, it took a long time to get uh, EPA clearance to work here. Um, to, to put a development in um, and so once all the environmental stuff was passed they went ahead and put in I believe it's 135 uh, apartments in the complex here and then this brewery. Okay these aren't cool. just typical looking apartments either. Yeah they it's, like, they're pretty cool. They look like they're really cool in these lofts. I mean because you guys have to remember this is a factory like a yeah. huge It was a factory. Yeah. 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 So who started the idea like what started the idea of like renovating this building because most times they just get torn down and completely start over. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not sure so much on that side. I do know that the developers have done some stuff on the they've they've done the taking old buildings and renovating them and, and bringing them back to life um, as far as with with living accommod uh, you know housing accommodations yeah. and things like that. You mean you're not the local historian? I'm not the local <laughs> historian. And actually, I came in I came in once you know everything was pretty much you know moving. Uh, now, granted, we had um, construction started really right in the middle of the uh, hard lockdown of the pandemic, um, that, that, that first wave where everybody was inside. Um, and so the project, was, the project was kind of up in the air, you know, we didn't know if they were going to let people work. 
um, that was still it was still at that portion of the whole thing so um, but yeah we ended up opening in 2020 still during we still had uh, restrict we had, still had seating limits um, based on all of that um, and uh, yeah so now we're, we're coming up on two years um, it's been a really it's been a really cool experience um, for, and, and just speaking to the to the building itself it was a it was a big part of it I I lived in Michigan uh, super, super majority of my life with the exception of, of college and uh, and we decided to move here for this job um, the the site was special um, and it's a, it's a it's a cool thing overall so so awesome. tell our listeners what you like what do you do here are I'm you just someone who lives here uh, no <laughs> <laughs> I am the head brewer here at Cartridge okay so. And so you were you the first brewer yes. here, and they, yes. the owners hired you yep. to be here. Yep. Very cool. And do you have a lot of creativity in what you create? Or? Pretty much 100%, which is really nice. Um, we do we, we do kind of have the um, when I say pretty much 100%. Um, when when I first came here, I figured it was going to, we were going to pour beer similarly to the way you would downtown, which would mean. Um, a few to several IPAs um, and stuff like that. Um, and what we found is we, we've kind of said from the beginning we want to pour what people want to be drinking. Um, after all, you know it is it is a business. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so the I, I put a lager or two on, and they did well. And that's fun for me. Um, the the technical aspect of lager brewing is is really exciting for me. And so. We kind of put it, started putting a few more out, um, and then really, right now, I mean, for us, lagers, as far as our top six or seven beers, there's definitely four lagers in those top six or seven beers um, for us in-house, which I think is a little bit atypical. Um, IPA gets in there, IPA Sabo is always in there, you have that in front of you right now. Um, Escape, uh, that you also have in front of you, our Pina Colada Ale, uh, that's also in there. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the rest is pretty much lager in that, in that top tier. One of the reasons I think that is, is I think it's a little bit the, first of all, this, this building just says history, right? Yeah, totally. um, and it, it's, it's also, it, it's also the, the, the German roots of the area and everything like that. I, I think there's, there's some appeal on that end. But also, um, it's easy drinking, food friendly beer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not as heavy as a lot of ales, so especially sure. when you get to the darker end sure. of beers. You sure. know, ales get to be pretty heavy in body, and they sit in your stomach for a long Definitely time. Definitely can be. Definitely. You don't get to drink as many as, as sometimes you can with like like just a Schwartz beer versus a you know a big stout. Sure, it's like Definitely. massive difference. Definitely. So, and you don't have the German constraints where the Reinheitsgebot and stuff, so you can actually take your lagers and be more creative with them too if you want to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's cool. Sorry, I just took a drink of the, what, what, what was this one again, the pineapple? The Escape, that's a, the Pina Colada. Yeah. Oh, it has a really bright, pretty color and it just wasn't what I was expecting when I tasted it, but it has sure. really good balanced flavors. Awesome. Because honestly, when you first described it with like, you put a little bit of lactose and things in there too, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm making a face, I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, I mean, the, the, the whole thing is, and, and this is, this is what, one of the things that we work on r- really hard, I mean, ultimately beers are about balance. Sometimes you go to a festival and you get that three ounce pour and you're like, oh, this is fantastic, it's so intense, it's all these different things. Um, but sometimes you take that beer and pour it into a pint, um, it might be difficult to drink a full pint of it. Yeah. Um, and, and really, um, 
for me, kind of the sweet spot is, is can I get bold flavor and also really, really good balance? Because balance is that thing that will keep somebody coming back to that pint, right? Yeah. The last thing I want is, and I understand that sometimes people have styles or flavors that they're not crazy before, and I totally get that. But the idea should be is you shouldn't be halfway through a pint and you're enjoying the flavor of it, but it's weighing on your palate so heavily that you're thinking about, you know, what else would you rather be drinking? Yeah, can I hit a Pilsner now? For sure. Yeah, right? Right? <laughs> I need, right? I need yeah. to scrub my tongue a little bit. For sure. But. Okay, wait, so you said earlier that you were you spent most of your life or you were born in Michigan? Born and raised in Michigan, in Michigan. yeah. Where, okay, funny, because we just came from Michigan. Okay. Yeah. So where in Michigan? Um, north of Grand Rapids. Okay. Yeah, we so, spent a, a few days around Grand Rapids. Just what were some of the breweries that you hit in the Grand Rapids area? Oh, of course, we had to hit Founders and sure. Heron just because, yeah. you know, yeah. you have to when you're there. Yeah. But um, we hit like uh, Gray Line. Fantastic. Speciation. Speciation, City Bill. City Bill. Brewery Vivant. The Mitten. Because we had to, do, the mitten was awesome because we had to do the pizza flight. Yeah. Because they do a beer yeah. flight and a pizza flight at the same time. It's Super like, nice guys at the mitten. Absolutely, cool. really, really good people. Really good people. And just I used to work at Grayline for a little bit. Okay. Um, so I, I, have, I have a, I have some history with Grayline. So. So that yeah. was going to be my next question. Then is were you in that beer industry then at the Michigan? As yeah. Well? Yeah, definitely. So the the first ten years of my career, I taught alternative ed. So I taught at risk kids. Um, for the first 10 years of my, you know, working career, and then I, I transitioned into professional brewing. They okay. drove you, they literally drove you to drink. <laughs> I, was <gonna> <laughs> I was like, wait, so okay, you went, you got out of high school, went to college to specifically teach? Uh, yes, I, I graduated were, with a history degree with a certification in, in teaching secondary. And then you started teaching, like, right when you were 22 years yeah. old? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get my teaching degree until I was 40. Yeah. And if I had it when I was 22, I would have failed epically. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing when I first started teaching. The, uh, well, the funny thing is now, you know, like when you first started teaching, I had some students that are a little bit older. Um, it's kind of part and parcel of the alternative ed programs that I was, that I was working for. But like sometimes I, I see like I'm 45 and so I have some students that are turning like, 40 or 41 and I'm like man we really were close in age back then <laughs> so yeah yeah that's what uh that, that's how everything went for me yeah. so what 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 was the transition that took you from teaching to brewing was it just a natural oh this is what I want to do or what was that I got into the yeah I, I got into the home brewing thing and um I was I, I was really fortunate because it was right when um the podcast thing was really starting um, and, you know, I started listening to a podcast called The Brewing Network um, when that first started. And so I think I started around when they first started. Uh, so I think I started listening at about 2004, 2005. And at that point, I had a really long commute. I, I had at least a, a one a one hour each way commute. During the winter, it would be longer. To, uh, to teach, the weather. to work? Yes, ma'am. Okay, keep going, because <laughs> yeah. I can listen. So similar. <laughs> so I just started listening to, and I started devouring all this this content. And they, they had all these really... I mean, they, they had huge, they had some huge names on there. They had, you know, Vinny Chilurzo, Russian River. Um, wow. They had the, the folks from White Labs on there. They had Matt Brennelson from Firestone Walker. And these guys are just talking about everything that they're mm -hmm. doing. They're, they're giving you their recipes. 
And, and then on top of it, they had really high-level um, homebrewers as well, um, really uh, de very decorated uh, homebrewers as well. So I started learning that stuff, and I started getting into beer judging and competitions. Okay. And it was through success with that that um, I ended up getting uh, my first opportunity when uh, a brewery opened in the town that I was living in. Hmm. Cool. So what's really funny is our listeners have heard the story a million times, but because we get asked all the time, like, how did you move into the RV and decided that was the life you wanted to do? And it kind of was hilarious because I had a 45-minute, 60-minute commute to work to go teach. <laughs> we were living in Denver, and I was just, like, getting really disenchanted with the traffic and yeah. just, ah. Uh, and I found a podcast, and it was called The RV Entrepreneur, and they were talking about living in an RV, and I was, what? You can live in an RV? <laughs> what the hell is that? Because any kind of camping we ever did was in a tent and off in the middle of nowhere. Sure, yeah. No RV experience whatsoever, so I started really getting into this because it was also how do you finance your sure. lifestyle? How do you work yeah. on the road yeah, while living in an RV? Yeah, we're not it wasn't retired. set in a position yeah. to retire. Yeah, so I did the same thing. I was just constantly consuming every single episode that yeah. they had put out. And I think I came home one time and I was like, uh, you know how we wanted to live in the, in the mountains and it's just not working out because, you know, it's expensive. And there's this Limited thing. People option. can live in an RV. Yeah. So those podcasts, man, can be very dangerous to careers. It's wild. <laughs> it, it's, it's really crazy, you know, when you, you and, and it's kind of the same w with everything, but... Um, you know, just because there's information doesn't mean it's good information. So obviously, you want good information, True. right? Um, but it's 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 wild. It's wild the the amount of stuff that you can learn um, from yeah. just that free from that free medium. You know. Yeah, I mean, so. I would really say that between things like you know YouTube and mm -hmm. especially the explosion of podcasts, as long as you do your diligence and make sure you're sourcing good, you know, sources. I sure. mean, there's some great information out there just on anything that you want to do you know Definitely. I mean when we moved into the RV I had to learn how to fix things that I and I'm not the most mechanical guy in the world in sure. the first place sure. but then it's like you know it's just part and parcel to living in an RV you're gonna end up fixing things yeah. and it's like gonna... you just okay you google that and then you look up on YouTube and it's like it's oh crazy. that's it yeah you, and it's like oh the dealer wanted to charge me two thousand dollars and take six months to do the repair and i just did it for 50 bucks and about you know a couple hours of watching videos sure. Sure. i'm gonna say isn't that you know part and parcel or whatever you want to call it for brewing too you yeah. just learn oh, how yeah. to fit, fix things yeah oh yeah there's a lot yeah. of yeah <laughs> yeah and there's and that's one of those things where yeah you figure out ways to you figure out workarounds and everything like that mm -hmm. and yeah yeah can you mention youtube and like us, we mm -hmm. you know we have a little bit of a YouTube channel, and we you know do podcasts, and we write, and we create content. And I do believe, Adam, that you uh, have the same thing, kind of thing. Call yourself a content creator too. Yeah, well, we're we're, we're giving it a shot. This past year, I started. Um, there's there's not a ton of professional brewers that are putting out content that kind of give. Uh, I'm trying to give a real serious behind the scenes look at our processes what we're doing and, and not so much even just saying, and yeah, I, I do share recipes and, and, and I do show techniques and different things that we're using, but really like overall, I, I want it to be kind of like showing that it's not like I'm saying, this is how you brew IPA. This is 100% this is how you clean a tank prior to sanitizing so you can run word into it. What it really is, is 
and, and this is what I talk with my team back there is really what we're doing is, is we're, we're working toward a goal. We're, we're aiming for a bullseye that we're never going to hit. Okay. We're never going to make the perfect Pilsner. Mm -hmm. We're never going to make the perfect IPA. And when you have that goal of, for me, the way my brain works, um, when I goal set like that, I'm asking for frustration. And I'm asking for, um, I don't know, not enjoying the, the gift of what I have back there, being able to do this for a living. Um, what we say is, is that we are always growing, we're always learning, and we're always trying something new. Mm -hmm. And so really what I want the, I do want the channel to be information forward. Um, I, I do want to show what I'm doing, but I also want to show that what's happening back there is a process. Um, I'm not going to be making the beers like when I show people exactly what I'm doing. I'm probably not going to be making those beers the same way next year because I'm right. going to be learning things. And I'm going to be trying new things, right? Mm -hmm. And so really what, what, what I want to do with that channel is I do want to get information out. I do want to kind of pull that curtain back a little bit. But also I want to show that it's, it's not just you, you're making IPA and then that's it. I'm trying to show that it's a, that it's a journey and it's about growing. You know, so. I think that's really cool because as a home brewer myself, it's like I've been home brewing now for, I don't know, six-ish years. And... I've done so much learning, like the stuff that I thought was like, even though we produce some good beers right out of the gate, mm -hmm. I look back now and go, wow, what was that? that? How did I even make a good beer back then? <laughs> like, that was terrible. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not even close to these guys in a brewery, but it is a journey of where no matter where you're at, you're always trying to get a little bit better somewhere along the line, whether it's flavor, it's efficiency, it's yeah. all kinds of things you can look at. Well, and, and it's still, and it's still fundamentally, a, a, I mean, it's the, the, the right word isn't, it's, it's still a, a fundamentally kind of historic dated process. Okay, yeah. so what I'm using back there is I'm using a pump, mm -hmm. okay, but I'm using heat, I'm using pressure, and I'm using a pump, and heating, cooling, right? Mm -hmm. That's not like it's not the most insane levels of technology no. that, we're, that we're utilizing. We're pushing stuff, right? You know what I mean? So yeah. like it's, 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 it's interesting. And as raw materials continue to change and we have more opportunities, whether it be genetically modified yeast that people are, those thialized yeast that people are putting out, new malts, new hop varietals. Um, you, you have to stay. You have to stay pushing. What, one of the things that fired me up. I was listening to. I was listening to an American-born um, Vine Stefan, graduated brewmaster who's lived in Germany now for 30 years. You, you have to speak German in order to go through that program to become a brewmaster. Wow. So he learned German, goes through the program. He's been making Hellas over there for 30 years, and he's still talking about how he's trying to dial it in. And Jeez. it's like, okay, so I've been making Hellas for two years. I need to stop <laughs> doing what I'm doing to myself internally about right. this whole thing, right? Yeah. Where, where, where it really is. And I think that's just a much healthier mindset because I, I am a perfectionist. And I do want to hit a home run every time you step to the plate, right? But you, you have to kind of back up off of that a little bit. And I found that it really helps me as as a leader and as a mentor for the, the younger people that I'm training into the industry as well. Because it, I, I think it, 
I would much rather be instilling that 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 concept of kind of lifelong learning or lifelong improvement through this process, right? Um, that there, there's really no end game. When, when, when you're no longer trying to push yourself to get better with what you're doing, you should probably start doing something else. <laughs> so. Well, and when you're back there and you're, you're making beer and you're tasting stuff coming off the bright tank or something and you're like, there's just a little something, you know, this is really good, but there's a little something. But then you walk out here in the tap room and people recognize you're the brewer or whatever, and they're like, dude, this is the best Hellas I've ever had, or this is the best IPA I've ever tasted. And st I mean, that's gotta like, okay, don't beat myself up so much. Cause sure. like at the sure. end of the day, they're the ones you're making the beer for and they are ecstatic at the beer you're making. So yeah, it, 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 it's, there's it's, two it's, sides it's to that fun, coin, right? It, it, it's, that, that's one of the interesting, that's one of the interesting parts of it, right? Is that, you know, you do have, you do have your regulars, um, that that love your place, um, love the beer, and everything like that. And I also I also think that that can be one of the dangers too. Is mm -hmm. um, I always you know I, I I tell my staff that you know that's great to that's great to hear, um, feel good about, and have it be a boost. Um, but at the same time, it's just you you let that go away. You can't let that build up. Right. And you, you can't let that, um, I, I think that's one of the things that can make you, that can make you complacent. It's that yin yang thing, right? Sure, you, right? You, yeah, you yeah, yeah. All, it's the balance. Well, like, and just different like personality. The, needs the balance, <laughs> you know, the feedback needs to balance For too. Sure. You For don't sure. want to like get so hard on yourself that yes. you just are never happy with the beer. Definitely. Making. But yeah, you don't ever want to be to that point where... Oh, I'm the best brewer ever, so I don't exactly. need to try anymore. Yeah, you know. My favorite brewers, and a buddy of mine just visited not too long ago. He has a he has a brewery up in uh, Michigan called Stormcloud. Um, my buddy Brian was here, and whenever we'd see each other at festivals, I always love having a beer with Brian because he would come up to me. He'd be like, "Hey, man, we're gonna have our beers on tap in like ten minutes. Uh, I need you to come over. There's this beer I hate, and I want you to tell me why I hate it." Those are the brewers <laughs> I want to have a beer with. Because yeah. for, from the way of like, they're, they're looking at what they're doing critically. Like sometimes you need to pump the brakes a little bit, but at the same time, like I, I, I like having, I, I like drinking beer with people that want to get better, right? Yeah. And, and like actually mean it. Like yeah, I love that too, because yeah. I mean, it, doing what we do, you know, we, we have a lot of fun, but we take our beer pretty seriously too. And mm -hmm. I'm a, you know, out of the two of us, I'm a little geeky one about it, you sure. know, that gets like, Oh, I taste uh, some kind of New Zealand hop in there or whatever, you sure. know? And I appreciate it when, when somebody like yourself or something recognizes that and is like, really wants to hear real feedback. They're, sure. And they're not hurt by it. They, they just honestly want to know, what are you tasting? What are you, what are you not tasting? What are you sensing out of this beer? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like if, when we do our podcast, it's like if somebody tells me that, Oh, you should have asked this, or you should have done that, or or the sound was kind of weird on this. It's I want to hear those things because sure. that's how we get better too. At what sure. we do, so mm -hmm. sure. I think it's just anything, you know. Yeah, you need always strive to be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Maybe that two percent better each time. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, off mic too. You also mentioned that you have a big family. So yeah. You're like doing you know content creation YouTube channel, and granted <laughs> that could be kind of done with. You know, while you're brewing, but editing takes a long time. It does. And so then, I actually, I have, I have, I do have help. Okay. Uh, so um, my 
a, a dear friend of mine uh, from high school, uh, his name is Andy Phelps. Um, he, he produces the super majority of um, like my brew day episodes um, that are a little finer touch and look and sound better um, than some of the stuff that I do. Um, what, what we've been doing is he's been, he's been working on some of uh, the larger, more difficult stuff um, and I have been making um, just some quick stuff definitely content forward as opposed to editing forward stuff um, and so but he's been a huge help and, and especially on the uh, on the technology side um, what we're what we're trying to do right now is um, we've had some different things going on but I do try to get um, one larger content piece a week and we've we've experimented with some things in some different ways i, I have uh, a series on brewing ipa sabo uh, which which you have in front of you um, i did we broke that into 15 parts i think and then released that as a playlist so we'll see oh, cool. we'll see how that goes we've done one brewing our mexican lager called cartucho that was just one 30-minute episode so we're, we've tried some different lengths of episodes and stuff like that. So it's early. I mean, we filmed for, I was filming for the first two months of uh, 2022. And then Andy, I sent the video off to Andy. And one day he was like, now the stuff you sent me today is good. And I'm like, okay, so what about the last two months? And he goes, well... <laughs> and I'm like, if you just want to scrap it for B-roll, let's do that. So really, we, we recorded, I, I, I was recording from January 1, well, January 2, 3, um, up until the middle of uh, May. Um, and then we started uh, releasing uh, episodes. The channel's called Adam Makes Beer. And um, yeah, it's been fun. So we're, we're generally five to six to seven uh, videos a week. Wow, yeah, that's quite a bit of production. Focus yeah. there, yeah. But you know, that's a learning process too, right? So Absolutely. Like, especially a... filming, it's like you think, oh, you just hold it up and look, show what you want to show, and then it's like you start learning more about framing and sure, you know, different angles and lighting and perspectives yeah. and yeah, you start having a whole new <laughs> respect for people that yeah. are professional yeah. videographers. You know. Oh, definitely. It's and I, I do. I, I try. I do a live stream Q and A every month. And one of the most dependable things that will happen is um, I will uh, start it. Um, my audio won't work, and I'll have to restart it. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, it's now you know I've done three so far. Every time it's been a different issue. But you, <laughs> but you learn, right? Yeah, you know, that's how you and, learn. and thankfully people are people are nice about it, and, yeah. and and you go from there. So, but yeah. It's a large family. So large yeah, family. Yeah, right. My wife and I have six kids, six kids. Um, ranging Ooh. anywhere from uh, 20 to, to one year old. So we have uh, Michael's 20, Joseph is 18. They are both out of the house. One is in college and one is doing a year of missionary work. And then uh, Therese is 15, Isaac is 11, Cece's three, and Benny is one. So uh, we've got a, got a lot of kids and a beautiful family. And um, yeah, so we're, I'm busy. And, and are any of them going to be uh, following in your footsteps? Do Nobody's, you know them, people, no they, could, they, they could not be less interested. <laughs> and what really? I'm doing, my, my 11 year old is I, like interested. Um, he's probably the most interested in all of them, but um, my two oldest don't really have 
have any interest in it. And um, I mean, and they're also at the same time, like they're realizing, well, okay, I like this in school. They're both good students. But then when they look at the jobs afterwards, they'll both say, well, that sounds like work. (laughs) Baby, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's going to be, you know. Um, So they and they also see like, you know, how I come home, uh, how I smell and how I look. And they know that that we we do some work here. And so maybe that has. uh... (laughs) Just wait till they realize that, you know, 99% 99% of the work that we, or jobs that we all have out there, the, even the ones that make, look like, even rock stars, literal rock stars, sure. there's work there to mm-hmm. be done, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, most rock stars aren't living what you would think is the rock star lifestyle sure. most sure. of the day long, you know? Sure. I mean, I thought brewing was the rock star lifestyle. <laughs> oh, it totally is, yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's, that's one of the things, that's what we, I, I remember uh, I was at the first brewery I was at, um, and we, we weren't making work that day, and so somebody asked, are you brewing today? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, well, it must be nice to kind of have like a, like a day off. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just said, yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean, that's, you know, we'll turn, here we turn work uh, two, three, four times a week, to, depending. And, um, you know, the rest of it is, is cleaning, cleaning and sanitizing and yeah. moving stuff around and stuff like that. So, yeah, you finally uh, get to fix that thing that broke two months ago. Absolutely, or, you know. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Mostly I was just, you know, want other people to know that yes, it's possible to, I don't know, change careers, become a brewer, still have a family and yeah. still have time to play and, you know, create content, do hobbies. And, yeah, and, and you know, it's possible. It's hard. Mean, and, and like you know, I, I definitely, I definitely have help. But um, my wife is super supportive, and and it's one of those things too where the 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 YouTube stuff is again. I feel like it's it's a relatively underserved niche. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel as if I feel as if there there is brewing content out there, but most of it is is on the home side. And I know when I was wanting to get into the pro side, I didn't always have the easiest time with people wanting to show me uh, what I needed to do. Right. Uh, I drove three and a half hours um, when when I when I first took that when, when I first decided. Well, I took a sabbatical. I, I, I took a year sabbatical from teaching, and then so once once I was on my sabbatical, I started reaching out to area breweries that were close to me. Now, granted, back then. There were not as many breweries as there were. Michigan has a ton of breweries, and there was mm-hmm. there was still a lot then, but not as many as there are now. So I started reaching out to places, and there wasn't a lot of interest in having me, you know, shadow or what have you. Mm-hmm. So um, what ended up becoming a dear friend of mine, uh, Bill Gerds, um, he was brewing at Arbor Brewing at the time, so uh, their pub. So I would drive uh, three and a half hours. I, wow. I would leave the house at three thirty in the morning to get there. Uh, at seven, uh, when when Bill was showing up, and then I would work. We'd work till four or five. Then I'd go back to the hotel, crash, and I'd go back and work with him again. And then I would drive home. Um, and uh, but I mean that was huge for me. I mean if, if yeah. it wasn't for if it wasn't for the podcast that I was listening to, if it wasn't for being able to get my foot in the door with Bill and really just having him be willing to show me everything that was going on. Um, that that's a big thing, you know, and 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 I and I am grateful for those opportunities, and so that's why, um, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, are you concerned that you're, you know, showing people what you do, and 
I'm like, I, I don't think so because everybody showed me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's not like I'm doing something back here. We, we kind of need to be a little bit honest about the whole thing. Um, you know, if, if Vinny Chalerzo and, and Matt Brendelson are, are, are telling you everything they're doing, um, you probably can afford to, too, because I don't think that many of us are on their level. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I, I think, I think it, um, this, this industry done right, this career done right, requires some, some humility for, for the people that came before you. Um, and, and more than anything, I think you're trying to um, pay homage to that, that tradition. Um, and if you do have the opportunity to color outside the lines a little bit, that's great. Um, but I, I think the number of people that are, that are truly um, revolutionizing uh, the game, uh, I, don't think, I don't think there's that many of us that are doing that. Um, and uh, so, yeah. I think it's. I think it's an important thing to kind of kind of respect um, what's happened, and that in in that way it kind of I don't know keeps you humble. Mm-hmm. So it keeps you grateful. Well, it's kind of that's that whole mindset is kind of at the heart of I think what most you know beer fans love about beer is yeah there's a lot of great beer to be had, but we sure. all love that atmosphere around the breweries and. And really, a lot of that spills out from just how communal everybody is in the brewing industry, and yeah. humble and sharing with each other. And, yeah, you know, you see, you go to breweries all the time where several brewers from another brewery will walk in and be just sit down and drink and definitely saying hi. Definitely, and it's it's a cool thing. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's really, I, I, don't know, I think that's the, the the big picture the big picture thing that we have going on. Um, I think that it ultimately like. The, the space in which you're doing business is, is ultimately like, it's about providing that space, place for people to enjoy themselves and relax. I like it. So. Cool. Well, thank you for your time, Adam. No, it absolutely. Lovely. Appreciate I want to say, stay humble. Yeah. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Yeah, we can cheers that. I like the um, fact that Adam recognizes um, the ability to be humble when you're brewing. Well, when you're doing anything, actually. But it seems like maybe there's kind of a fine line between maybe that's the wrong words, but that's what I'm trying to say is like, there's a fine line between being humble, but recognizing when you should be humble, but also recognizing when you're trying to be the best at what you're doing with, and, and you should be celebrating that when you, maybe for example, you've, you know, tried a new recipe that is just working out fantastically. All the ingredients come together and it's making like one of the best beers you've ever made. And that's your goal is to strive to be the best. And so you should be proud of that. And you should be like talking about it. But you also, like he was saying, you also need to be humble with that. Because there's always something better out there. Because you're always striving to be better. So is there like that fine line between being humble and... You want to, as a brewer, you want to be working... You're, you're always learning, especially with... um. Adam, too, he's a teacher, and as a teacher, you're always learning. Believe mm-hmm. me, you're not just teaching, you're always learning along with that. But as a brewer, you're doing the same thing. Yeah, and, and when absolutely. you get something and you nail it and it's beautiful and it's great, you know, you want to shout it to the heavens, but you also need to be humble enough to realize that you can always be better. Right? Oh, yeah. And he absolutely, I think that's very much his nature there that i mean you guys heard it you heard him talking he's he's a humble guy he but he makes fantastic beer i mean he is like everything we tasted 
at Cartridge was spot on as far as the style and the quality was incredible. And, you know, that's, it's really cool to see how hard Adam works on that because he talked about a lot of the beers and how he was proud of what he's made, but how he's still refining things on different beers. Like, especially he's talked about, I don't, I don't think he mentioned this in the podcast, but he's, he's like really working hard to refine his lagers, even though they're very, very good. He, his, he sticks pretty tightly to what a, what a classic log, what a lager should, each of the different types of lagers he's making, whether it's a Mexican lager, an amber lager, or, you know, a fest beer, whatever he's making, he isn't, playing around with them too much as far as pushing the bounds on what that style can be because he wants to make sure that he has that style dialed in really really well to his satisfaction before he plays with the elements of that style and I think that's very important I think a lot I shouldn't say a lot but there are a number of brewers out there that miss that because it's very easy to go from being a home brewer who we play around. I'm, I'm the kind of home brewer that just plays around a lot and does crazy things and make spur of the moment decisions sometimes on my changing my recipes. I think to be a professional brewer these days, it's a lot harder to do that because you really need to have those fundamentals in place first. I can play around and take a homebrew and make it pretty decent and I can hide mistakes with different flavors and stuff. So you know, you don't notice certain things. And I'm sure that happens in the professional brewing world as well. But you want to know that you can brew that beer that you want to brew and have it turn out exactly the way you want or really damn close. Because there's there's so many breweries out there now. We're, we're pushing around 10,000 breweries in the United States right now. So you got to have some damn good beer just to enter the game. Yeah. So then when you enter that game, then you better have some really damn good ambiance along with it. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know how we went from humble to that, but I went off on a tangent. You did. And so sorry about but I, that. <laughs> well, and I, I just, and I like to bring it back again to that location piece of it because what I found was really interesting is also um, one of Cartridge's co-founders. One, bleh, if I could speak, one of Cartridge's co-founders. You all try and say that fast. Kyle Hackbarth, forgive me if I said that name wrong. His dream, he's had a dream for a very, very long time of opening a brewery. And it just was something that finally, when he walked into um, the old Cartridge factory space, mm -hmm. I think if I remember right from reading some things that he said within like 35 seconds, he knew that that was the space that was going to become his, you know, final turn the dream into a reality thing with the brewery. Within like, you know, 35 seconds, he's like, this is the place. And that was the same thing that really drew Adam. He moved his family of eight from Michigan to Ohio. And one of those big draws was the history with that building and that whole neighborhood and like revitalizing this. And I think that maybe that's a whole other, whole other piece. Like you can see that, that that humility and that humbleness there and all that is all drawn in with that building. And I'm gonna say a quote again that he said um, in there, but he said like, this building just says history and the German roots of the area bring some appeal for the loggers. Like that's what 
you were yeah. talking about Kenny is like he likes those clean, easy drinking, food friendly beers. And so it's the roots that kind of brought him there. And then talking about the humbleness and he and why he basically wants to also continue with his education as well as teaching through his uh, YouTube channel, Adam Makes Beer. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's because he's recognizing where he came from and how he learned all about brewing. It's because of the community that surrounded him from that. And he wants to make sure that there's not this huge gap for somebody who wants to, you know, maybe there's another teacher turned brewer out there and he wants to make sure that they have the resources to do that. I think he said that earlier on in the podcast too, is this industry done right requires some humility for the people that came before you. So I thought that was a pretty cool quote too. So I think on that note, it all comes back to, you know, history and education and learning and recognizing that there's always room to better yourself and to reach out to others. Yeah. To help them better themselves. In anything you do. Yeah. Anything anything you do. Yeah. All right. I guess on that note. That said, if anybody wants to help us be better at podcasting, reach out. We would appreciate it. Bye, Sabir. We're humble. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Sabir. Wait, you can't say you're humble, though, and be humble, right? It's like, I'm breezy. Some of you will get that. Some of you won't. But, (laughs) all right. So, yeah, we're getting choppy now, so we should probably. It is kind of late at night while we're recording this little uh And we have had no out. beer today at all whatsoever. Mm. Actually, we were doing laundry today and had beer while we were doing laundry. <laughs> you can have beer, you know, anytime. Anyhow, so I think it's time to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> or if you guys are driving while listening to this, please don't go to bed. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> well, a lot of our listeners right. do drive RVs around, so just, you know, make sure you pull over first. And make sure it's good, safe spot, and then then you can go to bed. Yeah. Well, we do need to go to bed because tomorrow. Well, it won't be tomorrow when this gets put out, but maybe it will be. Who knows? Anyhow, for <laughs> us tomorrow, we are driving to Chattanooga, Tennessee, to be with our dear friends, the Arts, who will be eventually opening up their own brewery in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the next couple of years or so. And we're gonna go brew a beer with them for our event, Camp Carpe Diem. I really think you should come if you don't have a ticket, but just a kind of a disclosure if you do buy a ticket c-a-m-p-c-a-r-p-e-d-i-e-m.com our host campsite is like sold out so you'll have to find a place to stay but we can help you with that kind of sort of we can kind of guide you there are a lot of campgrounds and rv parks in the area so i mean you you wouldn't be at the host site but you can still come hang out at the host site and we're going to be doing a lot of things off-site but don't worry about it time is running out. Yeah, we're it's really that close, time. So. We're super excited. So, yeah. Did we also mention that we brew, brewed with Oscar Blues? Did we talk about that on a podcast I, yet? Well, I believe we've talked. I think the last time we talked about it was before we brewed. Okay, but here's the deal. You know how you're supposed to stay humble. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I'm just throwing names out. Man, we got to brew with Oscar Blues Brewery. <laughs> that was fucking cool. That was F-bomb. really fucking Sorry. cool and. That was all due thanks to our good friend Brian Townsend over at Oscar Blues, who actually is in their runs their marketing. And then also Chris Ruff was who we brewed with, and he is incredible, man. I mean, his brewing skills are off the chart good. And so, yeah, it was a fun experience. It like 
yeah, I just can't say enough good things. It was really cool. And Oscar Blues, as big as they are now, even though they have three breweries across the country now and they're big, they're still crafty. They're very crafty. I like that. They've kept it crafty. I right. like it. Keep it crafty. Keep it crafty. Subscribe. Buy a beer. All that good stuff. And yeah. we'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.